0: Immigration Advocates Network podcast. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Perspectives on Immigration Reform. Today we are pleased to welcome Randy Johnson, Senior Vice President of Labor, Immigration, and Employee Benefits at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Welcome, Mr. Johnson.
1: Hey, thank you for having me.
0: So why don't you go ahead and give us some background on your organization and and you, the kind of work you've done in the past, and the work that you're doing now at the U.S. Chamber.
1: Okay. Well, I'm with the United States Chamber of Commerce. It's not the Department of Commerce, which sometimes people confuse us with, ironically. Uh, We represent uh, basically the interests of the employer community uh, up on Capitol Hill and in the regulatory agencies here in, in Washington, D.C., and across the country. And then we have relationships with local local and city and state chambers across the country, which many of your uh, listeners are probably more familiar with. Uh, but in, in my area, again, I, I represent the interests of the employer community in, in labor issues, which covers everything from the family medical leave act to union, unionization issues to wage and hour issues, immigration uh, which has dominated a lot more of my time lately and uh, uh, has been a big part of my portfolio actually over the last 15 years here at the Chamber, and then health care and pensions.
0: Thank you. And what's your background before you came on to the U.S. Chamber?
1: Well, I actually worked for 10 years on Capitol Hill. I was counseled to the House uh, Labor and Education Committee, um, Half, uh, frankly half when the Republicans were in the minority and half when the Republicans were in the majority. So I saw, sort of saw both sides of being... Uh, on the twin uh, differences of power, uh, minority and majority. So that was an interesting 10 years up there. Before that, I was with the Department of Labor and NAM and IBM and clerk for a judge up in Baltimore after law school. Started my career actually working for a union plaintiff's law firm as a law clerk in Baltimore. So a variety of jobs.
0: Indeed. And let's uh, shift focus now to talk a, a bit about the background of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce in the immigration debate. In, in broad and general terms, talk about some of the, the shifts over the years as well.
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting. In, in this area, there uh, hasn't been a lot of shifts in this sense. We actually, believe it or not, have been long involved in this area, and some people are still surprised to hear this, but we actually testified um, way back in 2001. Actually, it was the Friday before 9 nine eleven, and we testified in front of the Senate uh, Judiciary Committee uh, with Senator Brownback and Senator Kennedy uh, leading the hearing and in support of comprehensive immigration reform. It was my boss, Tom Donahue. It was the president of La Raza, Rayel Yazigira, back then, and then the president of um, AFL CIO, John Sweeney, which kind of tells you, even back then, the kinds of non traditional allies that characterize uh, this debate. But we had a great hearing that Friday, and in essence, uh, we all supported kind of the same things you hear now about comprehensive immigration reform, which is, um, yeah, tougher border security. Again, this is this is pre-9-11, but still border security. Uh, tougher employment verification procedures on employers. Uh, legalization of the undocumented. Uh, and uh, and then expanded uh, temporary worker programs. So those are the, the basic same sort of four prongs you hear about uh, the G8 talking about in the Senate now and, and the G8 in the House and, uh, and so a lot of the um, planks of the chamber's position have really remained very similar over almost 15 years now, I'm sad to say. Uh, and this is my third time around on comprehensive immigration reform, starting with Hagel, Daschle, and then uh, Kennedy, Kennedy McCain, that morphed into specter Kyle at some point, and now here we are with, uh, uh, with the Senate bill. So... Uh, Basically, those have been our four, uh, four plans, and if you look back at our 2001 testimony, they would still be in there, and of course, we've testified many times since then on all these variety of different parts of immigration
0: reform. Right, and I observed perhaps some shift in uh, your position on yeah. E-Verify over the years.
1: Yeah, I can. I can see you've done your homework, uh, but on E-Verify, we traditionally took the position that it needed to be part of comprehensive immigration reform um, but as a separate matter, we wouldn't support, certainly, a separate e-verify mandate. Our position has kind of moved a little bit in the sense of, of we do believe the system has improved a lot since, since five, six years ago in terms of accuracy uh, and, in, and in terms of uh, would it have a false positive in excluding authorized workers as being unauthorized. Uh, we think that error rate has gone very much down. Uh, more of our more of our chamber members actually use it on a voluntary basis, and have reported back to us that uh, uh, it's a system that they can work with, and it's really not as burdensome as as we would have anticipated. So we in, on eVerify, we in fact did negotiate a, a bill in the House uh, about two years ago with Lamar Smith, which which was a new mandate on our employers, but it was a very carefully negotiated bill, and we would see that as the template of a bill to be included in comprehensive immigration reform. Senate bill is very similar to the house bill not quite the same um, but yeah we have evolved over the over the last 6 or 7 years and and have in the sense of we've gone from uh, we've gone uh, we've gone to a position of greater acceptance of mandatory e-verify
0: hmm. and let's talk about uh, some of the problems from the chamber's perspective on the current immigration system you know that particularly impact businesses and I'd like to note that many of our own members work with low-income immigrants, so maybe you could focus on employers and employees in the service, retail, manufacturing industries. Yeah, and
1: and I think maybe I should mention that uh, beyond being on, on the past board of directors of the National Immigration Forum, I was on the board of directors of the Lutheran Immigration Refugee Services Agency, and I saw a lot of the work of refugees actually with many uh, in many of the sectors you're mentioning. Uh, not that a lot of refugees come to the country, but but some do through our programs, and uh, they tend to fill a lot of jobs in the service sector because um, they're here to work and and they're ready to work. But that's that's a way of saying that um, you know it. it People tend to say, oh, you know, you must not be having a shortage of workers because the unemployment rate is 7.5% or whatever in these non-high-tech, high-skilled areas, which, which we could also talk about. But in fact, it just varies from employer to employer and, and sector to sector. Uh, you might have a shortage just because you have high unemployment rate in Seattle, Washington, in, in uh, roofing contractors. doesn't mean you don't have a shortage of, of, of roofing construction workers. It doesn't mean you don't have a shortage in roofing construction workers in Texas. So it, it really, we still have, our members even in today's economy still have shortages in certain areas. Home health care is a good example of, of uh, where home health care and long-term care of where we have members who can't find, they can't find the workers they need to staff the, the hospitals that are the hospitals and long-term care uh, service centers that are taking care of our, frankly, our parents and uh, and me one day. Uh, and so, so it's a long way of saying we we need better expanded temporary worker programs. I can go into how limited they are in the books now, if you want me to. Uh, even in today's day of of 7.5 percent unemployment, I also want to talk about legalization, though, because uh, some people say, "Why does the chamber care about legalization?" And in fact, I've even Patricia, I've even had some people say. How can we support legalization? Why don't you oppose it? Wouldn't you be rather off just uh, exploiting workers in, in an undocumented status? Well, obviously, no, because that's not where the chamber is. Um, and uh, we want to give workers, provided they pass a criminal background test, etc., a legal status so they can't be exploited by those few bad employers out there, but more really to stabilize the workforce uh, so that when ICE or whoever shows up, you know, they're not. Our my members, my employers, are not going to lose the workforce they're relying on. Uh, we want to. We want a legal workforce, a workforce we can rely on, and not be dependent on a, on a government rate. And and I have to admit, you know, there are some bad apples out there that do take advantage of the undocumented, and we want to bring bring a stop to that. So so there's legal the legalization issue. There's 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 expanded temporary worker programs. Um, and both of those areas are, are important to our members. Sometimes it's the same type of employer. Sometimes it's a different employer. Uh, obviously, there's, there's a high amount of interest among my members in the high-skilled areas. And you can name the companies for H-1B visa uh, expansion. And that's a whole other part of the debate here where there seems to be greater ex- the greatest acceptance on Capitol Hill that we need to loosen up our immigration laws to, to some degree to bring in and allow people to stay who have master's and PhDs in high-demand occupations.
0: Sure. And could you outline for us if the chamber has uh, principles for comprehensive immigration reform, maybe a position paper or some bullet points on what you would like to see passed and what is core to the businesses that... Yeah, I'd like to
1: send your, uh, your listeners uh, to, our, to our website, which is immigration.uschamber.com. And it's a great website. It's got our principles up there. It's got our past testimony going back. I think it's 2001, but it's got it's our background papers. Uh, but basically, it's a longer explanation of those four principles that I, that I just mentioned, which is border security, legalization for the undocumented, uh, e- mandatory e-verify, and expanded temporary worker programs. So it's a great website. I, I hope you, your listeners will, uh, will look at that.
0: Well, thank you. And who have some of your allies for reform, Ben, and who would you like to see join you in this?
1: Well, it's an odd hodgepodge of uh, allies, certainly, over the years. Um, uh, The the Catholic Church, uh, the Lutherans, uh, the religious community. Generally, I should note that the evangelicals are are newly on the scene uh, this year. Um, In other words, for example, the Southern Baptist churches, uh, they are bringing a new dimension to to grassroots. So the religious community, um, the unions, uh, who normally we don't have alliances with as you might imagine um, your your listeners might know that we did we did strike a deal with the the AFL on uh, lesser skilled programs as part of the uh, as part of the uh, Senate uh, negotiations and uh, uh, and law enforcement now have have uh, come to the uh, forefront whereas before they were kind of in the background in terms of you know, good good individuals without legal status, were they afraid to come forward and work with the police? That was always a problem. But I think now we're seeing, and I was at an event this morning where uh, a sheriff came forward and said, yeah, this is a problem. We have to have, these people have to be free to talk to us about crimes in the neighborhood or we're never going to be able to solve them. So so the law enforcement community has now come forward and, and more than ever before in terms of working for comprehensive immigration reform. And then there's groups, as you can imagine, like La Raza and others who are, our allies on this uh, on this front.
0: Mm-hmm. And you mentioned before the example of uh, roofers needed in
1: Texas, not
0: needed in Seattle, but needed in Texas. So, I-, I wonder how you engage your community or constituency in the campaign for reform when maybe many businesses mm-hmm. or members have a particularly local perspective.
1: Yeah, and, you know, in the end, it's going to be their decision as to whether or not to, to contact their senator or congressman. Uh, we can make suggestions. We can offer up some talking points. Um, but they're going to look at their own business or, or community and say, well, you know, I like the U.S. chamber, but this one is just not in my, uh, my interest. So I'm, this is one I'll sit out. I'll be involved in something else. But what we do is we have uh, relationships with our, call our federation the chambers across the country and we and we also have our own membership list with who we go out to with grassroots alerts so it's kind of a two-prong and then we have regional offices across the country who people there go out and give speeches on whatever the hot issue of the day is this time it's immigration and uh, we ask basically employers across the country to say hey this is what's going on in washington we think this is probably important to your business but you're the one who's got to make the call in the end and if it is and maybe it's because you're experiencing workers in the high tech area. Maybe it's because you're experiencing a shortage of workers under under the lesser skilled areas, or uh, or the H2B program. But you take a look at this. This is what's going on. If you think this legislation is useful to you, uh, call your senator or congressman or woman and, and tell them so. So it's 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 a it's a it's a broad brush across the country because our membership's across the country. But in the end, it's, it's going to be a localized decision by each individual member.
0: I was wondering whether the u.s chamber membership includes um, farmers or farm owners as well
1: some I mean uh, we, we do have some agribusinesses uh, some some uh, horse farms uh, smaller businesses like in Kentucky but there's a whole sort of separate coalition i I should mention and kind of on the agricultural area um, So I couldn't give you the numbers. We have some, but it's relatively few.
0: Right. And I think we see that distinction somewhat in the immigration advocacy work as well, that agricultural workers are are treated differently, and many of us who represent immigrants in urban settings don't know the agricultural issues as well.
1: Right. And, And if you look at the Senate Bill, of course, they have a whole separate section Covering agriculture and, and the temporary worker, the temporary worker program there, and actually the route to to permanent residency is is different in the ag section for workers in the ag section than it is in the other ones. So they do have their own little niche, and um, I think it's fair to say that agriculture has also certainly the, become the poster child of areas that almost everyone agrees on, almost everyone that U.S. workers don't really want those jobs and. And if we do, don't do something about providing some access to immigrant workers in the ag area, a lot of those employers will leave the country and move to Mexico or whatever. But uh, there's a shortage of workers in those areas, and it's surprising to me that as long as the ag industry has worked on this, which has been about a decade, it's taken this long to kind of get the uh, Congress to to provide some type of meaningful reform.
0: Hmm. Now you mentioned that you've been uh working on reform since well at least 2001. Do you care to speculate on this round whether <laughs> whether you think we're going to end up with something
1: what are our prospects? Yeah, you know, it's kind of what how do I wake up in the morning. Um uh, but I feel I feel uh I feel pretty good actually today uh that um uh, for lack of a better phrase, I think that there's a good shot of getting to the president what I might call a a light a lighter version of the Senate bill after it gets through conference with the House, but it'll have something in those four areas of, of yeah heavy on border security, but it'll have legalization and a route to citizenship, and um, you know how quickly and under what conditions. I think that's exactly what's going to be debated in well, partially in the Senate, but but in conference and then E-Verify and, and, and Temporary Worker Programs. So I don't see the House passing what they passed six years ago, uh, on, which was strictly a, a draconian enforcement bill, which the, which actually the chamber opposed uh, for the purposes of conference with, conferencing with the Senate. So if you look back at the last time we did, did immigration reform in 2006, the Senate was, did pass a comprehensive bill in 2005, and then 2006 came close. But in part of that whole deal, the House countered with a very strict draconian enforcement bill for the purposes of conferencing with the Senate, again, which the chamber vociferously opposed, and we, in fact, even posed the rule for debate on that bill. Um, I don't see that happening at all again. There's a much greater—it's just—it's mo- it's moved uh, Miles— in in the sense that people are not talking about deportation anymore, they're not even really seriously talking about just legalization. It's legalization, and then how quickly do you move to to permanent residency and citizenship? So, I think people lose track of how far in just five or six years the debate has shifted, and it's been enormous. Right. So all that all that is a way of saying I'm I'm fifty uh, fifty optimistic that uh, we'll get a bill to the president. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you. And thank you very much for your time today. Good. For people who want to find out more about the U.S. Chamber of Commerce work on immigration issues, the website is immigration.uschamber.com. Any other resources you'd like to cite or anything else that you'd like to say?
1: Well, I can give you my address right where I always open open to donations and new members. So
0: <laughs> give it I'm a sure try. you are. <laughs>
1: Uh, No, we have a lot of good stuff on there. Uh, We have a great, by the way, immigration myths and facts piece that we put out. Um, It's a little dated now, perhaps, but we were doing it before it was popular, and I think it's the only thing that, that the business community, as the business community, has put out. I think that's on our website. It's got a lot of good details, and I still pull it out when you hear some of this trash talking on Capitol Hill and say, no, this is, here, I'll send you this, here's the facts, and here's the footnotes that prove what we're saying. Um, So there's a lot of good resources on our website. I think that um, some of your listeners might be surprised to see how engaged uh, we have been on this issue and probably how much we have in common in terms of um, a common agenda.
0: I think so. Well, thank you very much, Randy Johnson, Senior Vice President of Labor, Immigration, Employee Benefits at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. We appreciate your time today.
1: Okay. Thank you for uh, allowing me to um, participate.